Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm your host, Rebecca Taylor, and today our guest is Captain Brendan O'Shaughnessy. Uh, Brendan and I have known each other quite a number of years. Um, he's excellent resource of information, especially as a one-time journalist. Always happy to uh, comment on the industry and share his many wonderful insights. Um, uh, Brendan has years of experience. He actually comes from a maritime background. Um, so with that, he brings a lot of different perspectives. Um, he's also really keen on sustainability and um, basically passing on any lessons that he can share in terms of leadership and life on board, um, so much so that he's actually written his own book that's recently come out. Um, it's called Super Yacht Captain. We talk about it in the podcast and you can get it wherever you get your books. It's published by Bloomsbury. Uh, so we're really excited about that. And obviously we are getting our own copy immediately once we can in Canada here um, so that we can read up on it. Um, this is a really great chat. Brennan has, as I mentioned, years and years of experience both on shore and on the water. And with that, um, a fantastic stories just about uh, a life on board really and what he's been able to see around the world and experience. So I was really happy we could sit down. This podcast is excellent for me <laughs> to have an excuse to catch up with uh, some industry friends and of course make some new ones. So um, I really hope you enjoy this chat with Brendan. If you don't already subscribe, please do so on iTunes and Google Podcasts. It's uh, free to do so. And uh, we love just seeing our different stats from all over the globe, who's listening and where. So uh, we hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you next time. Good morning. So today we're here with Brendan O'Shaughnessy. He's a captain in the super yacht industry. Uh, Brendan and I have, I've probably known you at least 10 years. You're kind of everywhere in the industry. You do comment on a lot of articles and you're at a lot of events. So um I can say this. I know you won't say this about yourself, but you have a lot to say and a lot to to provide with the industry inside and out. And I know you're laughing because you're humble, but uh, I would just love for you to share uh, with our listeners, you know, how you became a captain and, and you're now a board member at the International Super Yacht Society. So you wear a few different hats, published author. That's a new one. Uh, I'm really happy to actually get you on the podcast and, and let us know how, how you got to where you are today. Oh, thanks, Rebecca. No, it's, like you said, it's lovely to be speaking with you now with our shared history. Um, and also, congratulations on the extension to your family, of course, which Thank is a you. great chapter for you. <laughs> Thank you. To your, <laughs> to your question, look, I came into yachting. I, I think it's a well-trodden path. I grew up in coastal Australia, cliched, messing around in boats, um, selling crayfish for pocket money just that quintessential Australian coastal life. A big event happened in my mid late teens was the America's cup came to my hometown of Fremantle. And that was just a change for me. I saw yachts bigger than it had ever come to Australia, people in matching clothes that were crew. So that awakened me to yachting. I didn't step across immediately. I went off and did, went through the Australian Navy's officer scheme and did a degree with them and my navigation training with the Royal Australian Navy. That was an amazing decade, really good fun. And then I went to commercial shipping and finally after 13 years, I made it to what we would call super yachts now. And like a lot of people's journey, it was a childhood friend that rang me and said, if you can be in Monaco in three days, there's a job. Wow. That from Australia. Bit, from, 
Yeah, so I packed up and I I came into yachting and I was a master mariner, 13 years experience, and I started as a deckhand and I, I just fell in love with it. So that's plus 20 years ago now and I've just been there ever since. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think that's probably a bit of a you like unique perspective too, why you have a lot of this feedback for the luxury sector of yachting coming from that background probably as well. I, I think so. I do compare, you know, I'm still fascinated with commercial shipping. It's the engine of commerce, of global commerce. Uh, and I love that. Um, what I enjoy with yachting is I come from a hotelier family and really I'm running a hotel with a really nice water feature. <laughs> That's how I describe my role. Okay. And it, it's, it gives a platform for a really amazing delivery of service to guests. And that's if you're, in, if you're a service professional, you love that. That's yeah. the buzz. Yeah. That's the really big buzz that you get. Definitely. Yeah, incredible. So, I, And I love starting with this question because so many people like yourself, it's not, it depends who you're interviewing, I suppose. But some people are like, you know, I went to school and then when I finished, I, you know, I got my captain's license and then I, I entered the industry. And then you might interview those people 10 years on or, or maybe they're 10 years on and they're in a totally different aspect of their career. And I think it's so cool to see the reverse as well. You know, like you didn't immediately start in it. You started somewhere else, but then it just goes to show too how everyone has such varied backgrounds and it's not like you're all just a cog, you know, you all did the same thing and you came up the same way and, and you're working on a boat and then you leave at this age. Um, so that's what I find really fascinating. And especially for us as a charter company, uh, they want to know about their crew, you know, and it isn't always that same. Yes. You, you, you could be sitting on a boat with somebody with a completely different background to what brought them to to that yacht today, you know. So, um, yeah, I kind of love it as a little peek behind the curtain, I guess. Of, but no, look, I, I, I'm speaking to you today as, as we just before you we went on air, we were discussing I'm on a yacht. And one of the luxuries is or one of the treats is you talk around and. I learned a couple of days ago, one of the deckhands was a world-class fashion photographer and just decided to have a change. Wow. Okay. Really? Really? That's incredible. And then, so you drill down a couple of questions deep and you find these really interesting people that exactly your words that are drawn into yachting from a real great global global diaspora they come from all over the place yeah then you get an engineer that's been commercial ship cadet ship i'm a mariner and then there'll be someone in the hotel team that comes from a crazy background the chefs are great yeah often you'll talk to a chef where did you do and they've been in the world's best restaurants it draws in some amazing characters yeah it really does and i think it's fascinating to when you get the chance to really chit chat to one and, and, and find out and or like me host a podcast and get to <laughs> put them on the spot <laughs> and hear all about it but uh something else um that i know we used to talk about a lot as well um which is probably a little bit misunderstood is you know uh, everyone sees these luxury yachts and they think it's all just big, you know, dumping on the environment and there's no like thought process behind it, but you pride yourself on creating more efficient, sustainable approach to yachting. So, uh, obviously you've always had this love of the sea, but how did you, like, why did this interest you and why do you feel like it's mm. such a part of your life's work to, to make it more known and, and to educate people? Um, well, 
Yes, it has been my own passion, but I've been quite lucky to have the insider view with some of the yacht owners that have incredible marine science or philanthropic programs that are very much behind the scenes. So the combination of my interests and their reach has been really another great thing of yachting. So I did an oceanography degree as an undergraduate. That gives you an awareness of what this great big blue thing that surrounds the planet does and, and the power of it. That's always interested me. In my late teens, I read the Rachel Carlson books. Of, of course, she one of her most famous books was Silent Spring. The other one is called The Sea Around Us. And it, you can't – that book was written in the 50s. And you can't read that book and not be awoke, have an awakening to how amazing the ocean environment is. Mm. So when I came to yachts, I saw these amazing platforms to, and their ability to collect data for marine science, to do fisheries research on behalf of scientific organisations to do humanitarian delivery. So all of that mm -hmm. gives a nobility of purpose to the yachts and the yacht owners. I think this is not well understood because they don't want the limelight for this. There's mm -hmm. an incredible private foundation supporting marine sciences, making their vessels available. They just don't want to be in the headlines for it. So I've put, I do speak to that because there is – a nobility of use for yachts. There is coordinated now, uh, yacht, yacht A Global is an incredible mm -hmm. philanthropic group that is based out of the west coast of the US that really coordinate yachts in support of disaster relief or science or just general humanitarian aid. So, no, I do think yachts can contribute a lot and do. I think the needle can shift further where yacht owners and their crew really engage further and and i hope that that's something to look forward to in yachting where there becomes almost a measure of the yacht's value as part of its give back to marine sciences mm -hmm. yeah hopefully it's something and i think i mean we're only hearing about it more and more people who have been in this for a while you're probably seeing all these Netflix specials and everything else on, you know, uh, the oceans and saving, saving them and, and the dire straits we're in and things like that. And I think, I mean, you would hope it's talked about so much now that it is something that, you know, when you are, I grew up sailing much smaller boats, <laughs> you know, in my family, but when you are on the water a lot, you are that much more connected. So it's very hard to ignore what's happening around you, even if you're not you know, seeing the reefs, maybe whatever it might be, but you still have this love of the ocean. It's, it's our playground. It's what we want. You know, we, we won't have it anymore. So hopefully, like you say, that's only going to keep getting stronger with people who are connected to the, to the water in such a way. Yeah, I, I think so. Either as, as a guest or as crew, you can't live in this marine environment without some sense of, okay, what can I do? To, to improve this? Mm -hmm. What can I contribute? And that that question, good yacht owners ask that question. Yeah. What can what can we do to contribute? And, I'm, and we are seeing that more and more. 
Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And I like that you share that because like you say, it's kind of misunderstood and everyone just assumes, you know, millionaire, billionaires just throwing money around. And really it's like, they're all people like, you know, they, they still have feelings and care about things and yeah, very true. And you, um, having this life on board, do you have some really incredible experiences that you'd love to share? Like it can be a location you saw for the first time or, you know, meeting some locals or guests that really blew you away. Is there anything that you can share with us? Uh, how long have we got? Of course. <laughs> yeah. The marine environment just gives you, uh, I recently just sailed up from the Seychelles. So across the Indian ocean, wow, Gulf of Aden, Red Sea, up through the Mediterranean amazing experience glassy oily smooth day in the indian ocean just beautiful so i oh there's a whale off the bow okay that's great there's a whale I've seen a few of those <laughs> people would be amazed by get, this where you're like yeah yeah no, well. <laughs> yeah i'm being a bit, bit blase get a bit closer oh hang on that's a full-size sperm whale breaching oh cool. so we stopped drifted around it, photographed it to report its position to the whale watchers. But I'm going, wow, it's a fully grown <laughs> Moby Dick-esque yeah. sperm whale bre- breaching in the, I thought it was just, uh, this sounds terrible and uh, a bit indulgent, another humpback. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that, those experiences, they're, they're great. Uh, wow. I, I mentioned before, I do, do come from a hospitality environment. I love the platform that yachts give where you can indulge your own, uh, almost a fantasy. You can create an environment for the guests that just uh, is absolutely beyond their expectations. Yeah. There's so many highlights there. The Some of them is just where you do the, the very small thing for a guest. We had one guest who, very sadly, I want to keep it upbeat, but was a terminally ill guest. Yeah. We knew it. She knew it. The crew had this buzz for a week to try and make this the most memorable experience. She had her doctor with her. It was an amazing time for this this woman. Mm -hmm. Halfway through the week, I realized this woman had four adult children that hadn't all been at the one time at the one place. We maneuvered around, brought them all to the yacht as a surprise for her. There was not a dry eye in the crew. Wow. Okay, so they're not normally... No, make me cry. <laughs> and, and, it was, <laughs> and just to say, look, this, this, we could deliver that. That was amazing. Yeah. You don't get that chance in our everyday life to make that sort of impact. So those sort of guest experiences, then, of course, there's everyone, oh, what destinations are your favourites? I live in a country town. I'm not a enormous, I don't seek the cities. So some of the more remote areas, the Pacific Micronesia, they're amazing. The Pacific, if it needs to be said, is a really big ocean. Yeah. It takes a long time to get, get across there. But getting to Palau, and, and it's just a little bit underdeveloped. The people are very wholesome and welcoming. And during this natural environment that is just, I mean, okay, UNESCO has recognised that there's no secrets. It's magnificent. Yeah. And it's just humbling. So all of those um, – no, not to go on and on, but it's just I, I think the combination of the ability with a crew to deliver the exceptional and to do so in an exceptional marine environment, those two 
dovetail into each other so nicely for my greatest experiences. Yeah. And it's like you say, it might not even be what you think about, you know, this opportunity to provide, you know, this guest with the, the, you know, her final big trip, probably, you know, I can only assume and, and take it that next level to excellence, you know, by, by having the family around or yeah, transporting yourself around the world, literally. And and what you can see, I think you had mentioned before, uh, the Sia Cortez too, you said like, it, it felt like, um, finding Nemo, like the highway of fish. Like I like, kind of <laughs> loved that, uh, you know, comparison. And I think it, it must be very hard. I know that when I ask people like, Oh, you know, like favorite place in the world. And it's like, yeah, how much time do you have? Because I could list yeah. it by, you know, city or country or ocean or cold or hot, dry, whatever. Um, but you know, just these little tidbits, especially during COVID was so nice to live vicariously <laughs> through other people's travel stories. But, um, you also, you know, coming from Australia, you mentioned all these beautiful, exotic places. You also quite fancy the polar regions. So how does that happen? Is that because it's not what you're oh, used to and you want to change or? It, I think it's just the humility that being up in a polar region gives you, just the, the expanse, just the vastness. Mm. Uh, I was in Svalbard three weeks ago and that's 78 north uh, so you're a fair way up you're inside the, it is the most northerly permanent uh township in the world right and just the vastness of the ice plains and, and i love it it's very peaceful yeah for someone who loves the ocean then polar regions take it back to the next level except for the sound of animals right it is just the, the sheer nothingness of it all yeah it and seeing how people live there no. as well i'm sure is quite an interesting mm. yeah how they can but uh i like to say we're in canada you know in the cold dark north here but we're not <laughs> you see some really northern parts in canada and uh yeah it's it's like you say very the vastness and and nothingness i suppose is what um and what attracts people to it as well you know a very simpler way of living and um, yeah, it's probably quite an interesting flip to things. You know, I was diving with someone in Indonesia, uh, who actually spent a lot of time diving in Northern Canada and they said they loved, cause I was like, well, it, you know, part of my ignorance, but is it as interesting to look at? Cause me coming from someone who our lakes and, you know, mm. rivers aren't as colorful. Um, and he's like, oh, it's, it's cool. You know, you get all these little like underwater gorges and like cliffs, you know, like little things to dive under and, you know, in parts of Ontario, we apparently have like a lot of shipwrecks and things that you can dive in, you know, all these things I had no idea about. Um, Yeah. So I, you know, I was very, um, my eyes were open and I felt very ignorant, but uh, I I could see it be very interesting, just the sheer contrast to what you're normally used to diving in, say, or, or vacationing in, you know, if you're used to sunshine all the time, yeah, you're probably going to want to go on ski vacations or something. So it makes sense. That's why I probably always want a warm vacation living in Canada with a very oh, long yeah. winter. <laughs> yeah. And now you, your summits are pretty wonderful. And then the lakes are. Uh, are incredible. Yes. Canadian lakes. So yeah. You spent I, a bit of time here, right? I used to, I used to go across a fair bit. The Australian Canada Commonwealth link is there. Yeah. A, a dear friend was married in Winnipeg and I, go across a fair bit bc 
so many Australians go through BC. I yes. played rugby against Vancouver, Vancouver really? Rugby Club. Oh, cool. Really good fun, though. Yeah. Okay. So that lots of connections through uh, to Canada. Yeah, yeah, really good fun. It's so true. I remember the I was living in the UK and I brought my South African husband to to Canada for the first time. We went to the Rockies first to to ski in Banff and. I don't think it was until we landed in Ottawa to see family that he said, oh, this is a Canadian accent because in Banff and all around there, it's all Aussies, Kiwis, uh, Brits, like all people doing ski, you know, like a ski season or something, you know, so it was Absolutely. quite cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of felt like you were still in London, you know, like a melting pot with uh, lots of different accents all around you and you kind of forget, oh no, you know, this, especially when you're from a place, especially Canada, I'm thinking like, we all travel. We're such a well-traveled country. Everyone kind of gets a passport and wants of to course. go. Um, so it's kind of unique when you see people coming here. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't until I was a bit older that I thought, yeah, Canada's pretty cool, you know. No wonder why people want to come. But at 18, you're like, I want to get out. <laughs> I want to see the world. Um, no, but, it's immense. And, you are you know, the, the West Coast Islands are just phenomenal. Yes. I had a good friend on Salt Spring. Smaller, one of the smaller islands. Yes, and yeah. It's kind of hippie. It's kind of a place that time forgot a little bit. And I was like, oh, I like this. This is magnificent. Yeah. Uh, they're very special. Yeah, yeah. Those islands, I think, I I won't get through them in my lifetime, but I would love to, to see more of them for sure because it seems like such an amazing way to live, I think, and at least vacation. <laughs> I need to put, it, put more of those ones on my bucket list in my own country for sure. Um, and you, uh, we obviously want to share a little bit that you're a published author. We mentioned you have published your book. It's called Super Yacht Captain. I know you've written a lot of articles in the industry. And when I've worked for magazines, you were always, you know, very helpful to, to throw in your two cents or, or actually pen an article. So you've got that writing background. What made you want to finally share your story? Because I know it's not it's not a tell-all, it's part memoir, you know. So tell us a little bit about it and, and what made you finally put pen to paper for it. No, thanks, Rebecca. Well, I had been writing a lot of short form and I always had this idea that there was a story to be told. Mm -hmm. And it was part memoir, part adventure story, lots of leadership lessons bound in because I think the, the yachts and seafaring is just provides such a great platform for that learning. So I, I started to write, and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? As a young boy, coastal Western Australia, I, you can say this, I was a good kid. Yeah. I might have just gone to the local university and worked locally, and there's nothing wrong with that. Great life. A childhood friend's parent just said, have you thought about travelling? going elsewhere no think about it it's a big world out there so just in my book i wanted to sort of share that that it takes so little yeah. to just prompt a child to take a journey so that is in there i also <laughs> am very open about my shortcomings <laughs> uh, quite proud of them and i share those in the book where i tend to take a back bearing on a leadership event where this happened so I had to go find the, th the leadership theory behind to work out why I didn't come up to scratch at that event. Right. So there's a lot of that where instead of just being a theorised speaker on leadership, which there's a lot of them, it's like I lived it and have lived it for a long time. Yeah. It's 
leadership, I, I use an analogy, leadership in business is hard. It's like a really hard tennis match. At each end, you can sit, have a drink, think about it. Leadership at sea is like a squash court with a ball that never stops bouncing. There's no escaping it. It just keeps going. You don't get to go home each night. Yeah. So that provides just such a platform for people that you might have to give a challenging performance review to are the same people that sleep a few doors down in the next cabin that you share meals with that you you literally do not get more than 10 metres away. Yeah. So it's a really tough place. The consequences of your decisions are not the movement of a profit and loss sheet. They can affect people's lives or catastrophic events at sea. So there's some real fast feedback loops in the marine environment. If mm -hmm. you get it wrong, it, it sticks. Yeah. You don't get it. It's immediate. Right. Yeah. The last, the last gap that I found, and when I was writing, I really looked to see, okay, has someone written this before? There, the world of the billionaire, which give or take whichever side, let's say there's 2,800, 2,900 billionaires. They are probably the tightest cultural group in the world. They transcend nations. There is not much written that is either from a pre-scripted interview or tattletale, for want okay. of a better word. Mm -hmm. I've sat for 20 years watching these behaviours and I dissect those in the book. And I say, this is a behaviour that I've observed for its merits, for yeah. it's not. I think a lot of people wonder, you know, the CEO interview that they just say the script of their answers. I've watched the good, the bad, and the, the, the really awful. Yeah. And I've gone through some of those. What is it? What is it like to have 300 personal staff? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. And I dissect that for not for its titillation value, but for some real learning outcomes that I think people can take down to a normal level. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of merit in that. So that was really why did I write the book? I wanted to get those messages across, mm. and it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to. I, I, these yachts have taken me around the world to some great places. I have stood in rooms where I've just got to pinch myself with who I'm standing amongst. Yeah. The privilege I've had to listen to these people, to to watch as a billionaire cut through the noise of all of these different people briefing them mm -hmm. and hear the one point of information that they needed to hear. To see that, it, it bought just brilliance. And, and I, I wanted to share some of those experiences. Amazing. I can't wait to get it. So I know it's on uh, a lot of the Amazon sites, wherever books are sold. Is it all around the world? I thought I saw somewhere it's coming a little bit later to the U.S. and Canada, it, or am I yes, wrong? Yes, to U.S. and Canada. Okay. No, it's a June, June release June. in U.S. and Canada. It released last week in the U.K., Europe, and Australia. Okay. So if anyone's really impatient, they can always do their e-reader from another yeah. destination. <laughs> True, but yeah. It, it, June into the US and Canada, I, I think uh, there's a lot of fun in reading it. I've, I've been getting some feedback. It's a nerve-wracking time getting a book out there. Yes. Uh, waiting for people to read. They're not going to really want to read this. They're going to like it. <laughs> but lovely to receive some feedback now that people are having fun, uh, not just people in the marine environment, uh, people in business. 
Yeah. People just wanting to read about someone else's journey. And so that, no, it's been a lot of fun getting that out there. But it is available across all, everyone indoors, all the, the big sites, but it's uh, published by Bloomsbury. So through that, they can get it out to everywhere. Okay. So your favorite bookseller. Yeah, I can't wait. I might, I might see if you can ship it to me, sign copy, and I can just give you the cash. I would love to have a little note. Or next time you come to Canada, you have to sign my copy. That'll give that connection. Oh, Continue coming back. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm really excited for oh, you, I'd and I'm excited to back. read it. And I, I genuinely mean that. I read a lot. I'm a writer. I, I think I could be a critical if I didn't want to read it. <laughs> but I am. This is what I'm looking forward to. And like you say, it's uh, – you know, before we were chatting about it, it's not the clickbait. It's not, you know, tell all of a super yacht captain or something, you know, so it's, it, it will span the different genres, you know, that people are looking for and also backgrounds that people are coming from. So I think, yeah, leadership in a tiny Petri dish, uh, it could have a lot of lessons for people that are actually in bigger companies and things like that. So, uh, yeah, well done you. And, uh, I can't wait to read it. Thank you. Exactly what you just said. I, I really want that people have a laugh but come away from it saying, well, yeah, I don't have to go through the painful journey that this writer Brendan went through to learn that lesson. Yes. <laughs> yeah. the pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we're all hoping to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you're, um, you're not uh, – quite up to date on all your uh, social handles and social media. You said you're just kind of getting started on that, but you do have a website so people could reach out to you if they wanted to or, or, or find you there, right? Absolutely. It's um, katanamaritime.com and that is my website where it has quite a few of my previous writing in there, a bit about me, a bit about the yachting environment. Um, and I hope people have a look there, see some of the yachts and enjoy, maybe read some of the previous articles if they like to, to learn more about yachting and, and more about the environment that we work in. Okay, amazing. This was so fun. I'm so glad we were able to sit down and, and catch up. It's been actually a few years, so it's been nice to hear you. And, and it take has been. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so no, much. Absolutely. <laughs> no, Rebecca, look, thank you. And congratulations on the pod and, and keeping yachting alive in Canada. Oh yeah, that's what I'm here for. And and the book, I can't wait to read it. Everyone go find it. I'll hyperlink everything in the in the show notes. So <laughs> don't worry, you'll you'll see your stats go up from uh, this side of the world. But uh, thanks so much, Brendan. <laughs> thanks, Rebecca. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to see the world differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming. <laughs>